Welcome to Conscious Pathways, the podcast where we have transformative conversations in education. I'm your host, Brittany Carey, and today I'm joined by Yasha Chapman. Yasha is the founder, CEO, and principal consultant of Elementary Education Evolve, an educational consulting firm that partners with schools, districts, and organizations to increase academic achievement for minority students in grades K through 5, as well as increasing teacher retention and apprentice teachers through effective instructional coaching and training. Yasha has served as a certified classroom teacher and instructional coach, tutor, curriculum coordinator, and curriculum writer. She graduated from Georgia Southern University with a bachelor's in early childhood education and a master's in education in curriculum instruction and leadership from Liberty University. Yasha has been passionate about helping children succeed both socially and academically, and now that passion extends to academic and development of adults who teach them. Yasha believes in effective school leadership, equity, and supporting educators to discover their gifts and talents within the classroom. Yasha is a Savannah, Georgia native who currently resides in Southern California. She's a military spouse and a mother of two beautiful children. This conversation with Yasha was so incredibly warming and beautiful, and I can't wait to share that with you. Let's get into it. Welcome to Conscious Pathways. Today I have Yasha Chapman joining me. Hi. (laughs) Welcome to the pod. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you join me. Um, I know you are a recent transplant to uh, California, right? Yes. Yes. I moved here in May and so far I'm loving it. Yes. Yes. Welcome. I feel like this summer was fairly tame in terms of summer. Um, We've had some pretty hot mess summers, so it was still hot sometimes, but we didn't get to you know, the fire season that we normally get. So I'll take it. <laughs> oh, yeah. That is, that is true. That's a good point. There weren't mm-hmm. any fires. So it was a good summer. It, exactly. I was kind of nervous. We had all that rain <laughs> earlier this year, which was very uncommon for, for California, Southern California, especially. Um, mm-hmm. There's that song, It Never Rains in Southern California. Yeah. It's fairly accurate. <laughs> yeah. Well, the rain, it must have helped. It must have helped because we didn't have it. Did. Yes, no fires. So you know what? Snaps for that. I will take it. Yes. Um, So tell me a little bit about what inspired you to pursue your career in education. How did you get your start? Oh, that's a great question. Um, Originally, I started off as a pre-chemistry major for pre-pharmacy. And to be honest, I was failing. (laughs) I was failing everything um, apart partly because I had a lot of foreign teachers and it was like a language barrier. Mm. But um, I went to the student center and I took a lot of personality tests and teacher kept mm. coming up um, in like all the tests. And so I went to a school just to see if I liked it. And mm-hmm. I met this little girl, her name was Jasmine. And she asked me if I could be her mom. Oh. And I asked, why does she want me to be her mom? And she said, because you're helping me with my work. And light bulb went off. I was like, I will do this every day for the rest of my life for her Mm. and for children that look like her. And so honestly, Mm. she is who inspired me um, to do it. (laughs) And I just saw that there was a need uh, for Mm. students, especially students that look like us. And I'm just I'm just determined to make sure that they have all of the opportunities that they deserve, that they're equipped Um, with the knowledge and skills that they need to be successful. And so uh, Jasmine, I don't know where she is now, but um, <laughs> in Valdosta, Georgia, she is my 
inspiration for uh, getting started in education. Oh my goodness. I love that. <laughs> I love that you got that, that kind of immediate connection and really got to see some of those magical moments that, that happen in education that, you know, make it worth it. Even yeah. on the hardest days, you know, that you're, you're helping students and that you are being that supportive adult um, in that classroom for those students. Right. And it is such a magical and beautiful feeling. So I'm so glad that that you got to experience that and you're like, no, I want to do more of this. <laughs> yeah, I got that. That was like the, just the beginning because when I mm. became a classroom teacher, oh man, it's going to make me cry. The love, <laughs> the love, the love, the love. I have yes. built some beautiful, beautiful relationships, um, even mm. relationships that I still have now with the parents and a lot of the students that I taught. And it is honestly the most, for me, education mm-hmm. is so rewarding. Um, and really that's why I changed my major because initially I was going for, like I said, pre-pharmacy thinking money, money, money. I want to make this much. I want to make this much, but to, to feel needed, um, and to know that you can answer the call for that need, it makes the money not even it's 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 not a factor you you know what i mean and mm-hmm. so like the aha moments the can you be my mom's the mm-hmm. i just wanted to see you today like those yep. are my paychecks that's what fills my bucket and mm. so, yeah. yes absolutely and i love that these personality tests like it's one of those things that you kind of subconsciously know that that's what you want to do but then as you were kind of mentioning that our mind goes to, you know, capitalism. We're just like money. We have to make money to be successful. That, you know, I have to do this kind of career to be successful and to have money and blah, 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 and do all these different things. When in your heart and soul, you know, like, we know, <laughs> that's what we want to do. That's what we want to, want to, you know, work towards and feel at the end of the day. Like, how do I want to feel at the end of my work day rather right. than how much money, money is important. <laughs> not going to negate right. that. Teachers right. do need to be paid a lot more. Money is still very Maybe. important. <laughs> <laughs> not to negate that. For but sure. also, I want, I, you know, despite all the hardships in the classroom and despite the fact that I was just struggling financially, I felt so good at the end of the day Sweet. when I was teaching. Just oh, every day, I was, went home just covered in all kinds of just random things because I taught preschool. So it was, I had paint and glue and, you know, tears and sometimes just not. And it's just like just on me. And, you right. know, it's just like, well, <laughs> it was still a right. beautiful day. And I got to have it those was. connections. Yeah. Um, so when you were teaching, what age group were you mostly working with? Ooh, um, so elementary education is what I'm certified in. So pre-K mm-hmm. through fifth grade. Um, so, but predominantly most of my teaching experience is with pre-K and second mm-hmm. graders. Um, that's where I spent, um, most of my time. I've had experience in every grade level, um, with the exception of fourth grade. So okay. I've been in every grade, taught every subject mm-hmm. except for fourth, but, uh, okay. most of my experience, pre-K and second. Okay. Did you have a favorite mm-hmm. grade level that you worked with? Second grade. Second grade. Second grade is where it's at. Let me tell you. I can see it. I can see um, it. They are, they're old enough to be independent, mm-hmm. um, old enough to understand sarcasm, um, yes. but still young enough to want to please you and work hard mm-hmm. for you. 
um, just the perfect balance. I love second grade. Um, I've worked in a number of after school programs and that's been working with elementary, middle school, some high school. Um, and while, you know, my heart and soul goes to pre pre-K, that is my special area of expertise. I love pre-K. Um, Bless that you. early right. elementary. Yes. That's my heart and soul. Like that's my bread and butter. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I also love that early elementary phase, those kindergartens, first, second, even our third graders. I always say the third graders, they are still at that phase where they still want to make you happy and they still want to do things to please you, right? They're trying, but their little brains yeah. are really just going a million miles a minute. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So they're like, I want to be well behaved, but also there's so many things over here. And it's like, okay, let's focus. Right. Or they want to yeah. tell you about their special interest. And if you let them go, they will talk to you for like 30 minutes about their special interest. And you're just Listen. like, I love this, but also. <laughs> they will talk to you about special interests, their parents' mm -hmm. interests, where mm -hmm. their mama was last night. You will know everybody's <laughs> business. <laughs> yes. Okay, with that age group. Okay, honey, yeah. I don't think your mama wants you to tell me this. So let's, let's get back to this right here. Right, I'm glad, right. I'm glad you made a connection. Yes. <laughs> you know, text to I, real life connection. I love that for exactly. you. Let's keep pushing. Yes, yes. Let's keep going on that, but on target. Yeah, right, right. I said self detect connection. That's what yes, is. yes. So currently, um, you are a business owner. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Damn, yes. So I recently launched an educational consultant business, <laughs> Elementary Education Evolve, and mm -hmm. we are on a mission to decrease the academic achievement gap for mm -hmm. minority K-5 through students. We are also on a mission to retain apprentice, apprentice new teachers, um, anyone mm -hmm. with zero to three years of experience, um, teachers that are on improvement plans. And we also are offering services to beginning instructional coaches. And so we provide professional development training and group coaching, as well as one-on-one -on -one coaching programs. Wow. You guys do it all. That's amazing. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and what kind of was the inspiration to start moving in this direction of working with kind of teachers and doing that professional development? What, yeah, what inspired that? Ooh, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, so back in 2021, um, unfortunately, I had ex I experienced two deaths in my family. Mm -hmm. um, my aunt passed away on a Friday and my dad passed away the next day that Saturday. So um, so within 24 hours, I was dealing with a lot. Um, mm -hmm. And so I was living in New York at the time. My family was back down south and I had to travel to go handle mm -hmm. that. But of course I'm working. And so I didn't have the time that I needed to grieve and heal. Um, I was consistently asked, you know, when are you coming back? When are you coming back? Yeah. And just having to show up um, broken, really mm -hmm. not knowing who I am anymore, because who I was, was uh, I was Yasha, but I was Yasha with two parents. And so I come back and I'm, I only have one, right? So I have to get to know who this new person is. And doing that in an environment um, that was just, you know, not not conducive for healing. I'll say that um, it just really pushed me to think, what can I do to where yes. I can still do what I love, 
but be in control of my time, be in control of who has energy and access to me. And that's where the birth of this idea came from. Um, I'm all about change. My life is change personified. I'm a military spouse. Um, So I deal with a lot of change every three to four years. And so with that notion, I'm constantly evolving. Um, And my love is rooted in elementary education and my skills are constantly evolving. So I just came up with the name Elementary Education Evolved, where I am in control of what I do and who Mm -hmm. I do it with. But my purpose and my passion for who I do it for remains the same. such a great story and I'm so sorry to hear about that loss I know it's grief is just it's a monster and it's so it's so much and it's it's not linear it just I lost my grandfather a couple years ago and that you know I'm still grieving with that today you know it's it's a lot and it's hard but it does sometimes push us to think about as you were saying that the environment that I am in is not conducive to my my growth it's not conducive to my needs right now, our needs are constantly shifting and changing. And especially in education, when there's constantly so much as educators that is being asked of us, it's, it's a very important job. Um, you know, the quality of our educators is extremely important. And it's extremely important that we're constantly learning and growing and that we're shifting with best practices. So it's there's just so much constantly going around. And if our environment, right, the community of school that we're in, if that's right. not supportive, then we see exactly what we're seeing right now, that it's harder to retain teachers, that it's harder to, you know, get people to want to join the field of come in education. I know you've seen all these teachers just have a mass exodus from education. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you've heard all of the, <laughs> the scary right. horror stories about schools and students and what teachers are going through. But come on in. You'll be fine. The water's fine. <laughs> right. right. it's it's wild so you know what we're seeing right now is we're having a lot less people who are wanting to enter our field and it's getting harder and harder to retain our veteran teachers and maintain those quality staff and at the end of the day the people who are getting hurt most are our students and we look at especially the communities that I think we both really advocate you know the hardest for is our, our underserved communities our black and brown students They're the students who are also getting hit the hardest with these because sometimes the most consistent part of your life is school. Sometimes the most consistent part of your your day is your school routine. The people you see at school, your teachers are those supportive adults who you have the most contact with. Sometimes you see them more than you see your own parents or caregivers. And so these are the students that are kind of getting hurt the most by our, our education system and the the constant shifts and changes with our staffing and all these things. So I love the idea of really focusing on creating that environment for teachers to be successful and to thrive, giving the teachers what they need. And also, I know it was my experience in education, but sometimes, you know, obviously I went through all my training in education. um, I've done the observations. But when I was in the classroom, it was just kind of like, okay, here's a classroom. Go have fun. Right. Nothing yep. like the textbook at all, right? Nothing um, like the textbook. Don't forget your attendance. You'll get in trouble. Don't forget that and do all these things. Okay, no. go, go go do the thing. <laughs> and so, right. you know, your it first was, year is just so hard. 
It is. And what's even better about the position that I'm in now, um, because I've been an instructional coach, um, but the difference is when you're working for a school system, you know, there, there are boundaries and there are walls and there's limitations to what you can do. Um, so like I would have teachers calling me on the weekends, you know, hey, can I mm-hmm. can I run this by you? And mm-hmm. for the sake of my mental health and like I say, healing and things like that, at times I would be available and at times I wouldn't. Um, sometimes I would get reprimanded from my leadership. Um, that's a no, no, you know, they're not to call you after this time, you know, so, but it would bother me because they need me. Right. It's just like students just in a different way. So with my business now, teachers get unlimited support. They have unlimited access to me. So weekends, nights, you want to rehearse, you want to run an idea. You want to know how this lesson plan looks. That's the benefit of what elementary education evolved is bringing to new teachers and instructional coaches, because we can't always have access to our in-house support. And although they are doing an amazing job, um, handling all of the things, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. new teachers just get the shorter, shorter stick, you know, out the mm-hmm. bunch. And so while I feel, um, of course, instructional cultures are necessary. I feel like new teachers, just like kindergarten students, they just need intensive, explicit, direct attention and support yep. that just can't be given when you have a cohort of teachers of 18 mm-hmm. or 20 plus of teachers. And so my, I feel like I'm coming in as a, as a support, like, let's do this together. Let's partner together and let me take some of the weight off of your load so that we can just focus on them and get them up to par for your evaluations or whatever uh, your goals are for your school or your, your school district. Absolutely. And I love that getting that hands, full hands-on support, as you said, with, you know, with our, our youngest students, we do a lot of that kind of hand on hand and we do a lot of that, you know, guiding and scaffolding and that zone of proximal development. Like we are very in tune to these things with their development and to how to best get them to be successful. But then we kind of forget that adults need that too. (laughs) You're absolutely right. They need it too. And even Mm -hmm. more so because a lot of them are scared to ask for it. Yes. So you have to use those same skills as a teacher and get to mm-hmm. know that you would use with your students. But as a coach, get to know your teachers, get to know their expressions. Mm-hmm. Something looks a little off today. You, you, you're normally chipper. You know, yes. you have to, you know, when, when to push, when to fall back, when to mm-hmm. uh, motivate, when to let you be a person, you know, all of these things yes. um, that you don't, you have to, you, you learn over time. It doesn't just come, mm-hmm. come naturally to you. So yeah, we just we I want to support our new teachers so that they stay in education, yes. so that our yes. kids can grow, and that we can yes. like for real, like not not just talking, not fluff for real, mm-hmm. change education for our black and brown students. It's past yes. time. It's past, it's past time. time. Yes. So yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And something I've always said, you know, I've I've worked in head of nonprofit management as well, and. You know, I've, I've done a whole bunch of different things around education. And one thing I'm constantly talking about when we are doing professional development or working with, um, you know, young teachers or after school staff is that we as leadership, we need to be modeling exactly what we're expecting 
in the classroom, right? So how can I expect this young teacher to go in the classroom and do and be a perfect teacher and do all the different things if I haven't modeled that to them, right? If I haven't not just modeled it in front of them with the classroom, but also if I am not being compassionate and intentional with my interactions with them, if I'm not, you know, bringing in diversity and inclusion and actually having them experience that, right? If I'm not bringing in culturally relevant and sustaining practices for them to experience, how then can I expect them to do it? They've never experienced it. (laughs) Right. Right. 100%. Mm -hmm. one thing that you said that I I often think about is when we when we evolve and we get into these leadership positions we forget to Mm -hmm. take those those classroom skills with us so for example as teachers we're always told in the morning to be in the threshold right Mm -hmm. reach your students make sure you're in your door thresholds Mm -hmm. that's perfectly fine I honestly feel like principals should be in the thresholds as well yes to welcome yes. and greet your teachers yes. so that you can start their day off the same skills should transfer they shouldn't get yes. lost because your position elevated and so yes. that's something that leadership has to remember exactly mm-hmm. what you said model mm-hmm. what you want to see and that yes. starts in the beginning of the day before mm-hmm. the teachers get there, just like you wanted to yeah. start at the beginning of the day before our students get there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As you're modeling, you're showing them that this is what I, this is what you know our community is expecting of you, and it's not just that I'm blindly telling you to do it. I'm showing right. you, right? Yeah. I'm showing you that I'm also showing up in the same way that I expect you to show up for your students, right? I'm yes. connecting with you in a kind and compassionate way. The same way that we want you to connect with our students and authentically engage them, actually get to know them. And Mm -hmm. I know this can be tricky as, you know, you you kind of rise up the ladder in education from principal to superintendent to all these different things. And there's all these different pressures then that are kind of put on you and deadlines and so many different things. But we can't forget, like, what is at the heart of what we're doing? And that's relationships and connection. So I can't expect you to go out and do a thing that you've never experienced. Absolutely. So as your leader, like that is that is our job. That is our role. That is our job to do just mm-hmm. that. Lead and you lead yes. by example. Yes. Yes. I know there's been a big push lately, which I, I love to see on like social emotional learning and emotional intelligence, right? We're wanting, especially after, you know, everything that happened in COVID and our students right now are really needing this, right? We're seeing that this is such an important aspect that we need to pour into for our students. And I love seeing it. And again, practicing that, modeling that for our educators, actually showing them what that looks like to be an emotionally intelligent educator, an inclusive educator, really showing them is an important aspect of it. Because it takes so much time and practice to actually kind of master a thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I can't just it do, is. you know, I can't just tell you to do it and then expect you to be proficient at it. We wouldn't right. expect our students to do that either. <laughs> no. But a part of that social emotional uh, being responsive to that is also taking a look and being self-reflective to make sure that we don't have or we're not displaying any hidden biases. Right. Mm-hmm. And so yes. because it's, it's difficult to give emotional support to a child mm-hmm. that you're biased against. Yes. 
And yes. so that's a whole nother, <laughs> that's a whole other thing, Brittany. But that has to be stated because I, I just like you, I see the push for social emotional learning. I absolutely mm-hmm. agree with it and think is needed. But more training is needed for our yeah. teachers to be more reflective of their practices and how mm-hmm. it's showing up. Yes, yes, I, I can't just snap to that. It was so great. Um, and especially what you're bringing up about anti-bias, it's, I guess, one of those things that you can't just do one PD on and expect your teachers to be proficient in now they are anti-biased and they're going to go throughout their lives without their biases right. <laughs> and they're going to be aware of it all the time. It's, that's not really how it works, right? So, you know, in my trainings, when I do trainings on anti-bias work, it's, I encourage school districts to have more meetings about this and have more facilitations on this. So not just one PD, let's keep working on that. Let's keep bringing it up. Let's keep working on this throughout the year so that we can build up our skills in it, right? Um, It's not a new topic, but it it is a new practice for some people. (laughs) Really trying to work on our biases. <laughs> it's, it's funny, but it's 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 true. Unfortunately, like you said, it's, mm-hmm. it's crazy. We have to show we care. Exactly. We're all of our students. Um, so we mentioned a little bit about the challenges that black and brown students are going through within the educational system. Um, do you want to talk about some of the challenges that you've seen or you've experienced with students and kind of how are we moving in a way to help support black and brown students who are um, maybe experiencing these challenges? Um, so some of the challenges that I've seen black and brown students uh, deal with, especially um, English learners, language mm-hmm. barriers, um, you know, so they're not obviously showing up to school learn- knowing English. And so that yeah. creates a super huge challenge especially in the early stages of um, early childhood um Mm -hmm. lack of resources um i've seen them Mm. deal with negative stereotypes again going back to biases teachers already having Mm -hmm. their mind made up about a student based upon their family history or just you know just judging a book by its cover overcrowded classrooms Mm. a big one Um, I'm going to stay there for a minute because my spirit is saying just, you know, hover over that. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. overcrowded classrooms (laughs) make it hard for teachers to individualize Mm -hmm. instruction. It makes it harder for them to manage their classrooms. It makes it harder for them to build authentic relationships. It just Mm -hmm. makes it harder. Teaching is hard enough Mm -hmm. and it doesn't help when we throw 25, 27, almost 30 kindergartners mm-hmm. in one room and say, go be successful. Yep. yep. And so that is a huge challenge that black and brown children face mm-hmm. um, because they don't get that individualized instruction or that attention to help with mm-hmm. those social emotional needs yep. because the classroom is so large and there's one teacher and she has to divide her time. Exactly. Um, so I would just say um, those are a few of the negative stereotypes. Oh, trauma. Mm-hmm. That's a big challenge as well as um, 
access to special education services. Mm. Um, there's not a lot of access for the early childhood um, to have access to those. So those are some of the challenges that mm -hmm. I have personally witnessed and of course continue to see and read about. Um, yes, yes. And I, I can echo those in, in the early childhood as well. Um, luckily due to licensing, you know, we have a pretty hard limit on how many students you can have in, you know, the classroom. So in California, our ratios for preschool, so about two and a half, three to about four or five is a 12 to one ratio. So you can have 24 students in a classroom, but you have to have two teachers at that one point. Um, mm -hmm. Still chaotic, still exactly what you're saying is that it's harder to give that individualized instruction. It's harder to notice when you have that many students, especially very young students who are learning emotional regulation. Mm -hmm. um, it's really hard then to notice, you know, when there are neurodivergences that we really need to zero in on. And so, you know, we all know that early intervention is so important and can really help shape, you know, that young student's, you know, further educational career and their overall quality of life when we are able to give them early intervention and give them the support that they need. But when we have classrooms that are so large, you only have, you know, as one person, you only have two eyes. You only have two ears, right? right. You're only one human. So right. there's only so much that you can actually do and notice and be a part of and also those relationships. So one thing um, we've seen a lot of after, you know, the, the COVID um, and kind of coming back into schools is challenging behaviors so we've seen a kind of uptick in those challenging behaviors and you know that's a lot where that social emotional learning is coming from they just you know students who just didn't they weren't in school for that period of time and now right. they're having to learn how to be in school and also it's stressful like the world is kind of stressful and they might not fully understand why it's stressful yeah. but we've all just been through a global health pandemic so we're all a little right. stressed out <laughs> everybody's we're all going through a lot Everybody yeah. is sensitive, everybody has mm -hmm. needs and their needs can be met immediately. Like we get it. And for sure, definitely yeah. a appeal of, of behaviors. Um, yes. As they yes. say, these that children are just different these days. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I, I've, been in, I've been in some post-COVID classrooms and Ooh. yeah, it's, it's been challenging and tricky and it's fun, but <laughs> there have been some things and I'm like, okay, yeah, we are built different these days. <laughs> Listen, they will make a believer out of you, okay? Um. Yes, yes. And you add in these challenging behaviors that when you take, a, when you take that lens and you widen it, makes sense for the, the wider context into what's happening, right? When we take that step back and look at it, it's like, yeah, it makes sense we're having challenging behaviors. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of changes, a lot of shifts. But then we right. add in on top of this that we have internal biases, that we have programs and structures that are not supportive of, you know, a diverse student range, right? And so we add those things in and it just really highlights and really thickens that challenges that black and brown students are experiencing because of course they are they should be allowed to express themselves and they should be allowed to go through hard things and have hard emotions and express these in, in just the ways that they're expressing it, right? And that's kind of our role as that educator is to provide skills and, you know, help them through those things. But when we add in biases to that, then it's, oh, this is just a bad kid. 
And the number of times that I've worked with children and I've heard, I'm just not a good kid, or I'm just a bad kid, or just all these really kind of negative internalized things that they're feeling about themselves, it, it's heartbreaking because one, we work with such young children. So they're internalizing this at such a young age that they in themselves somehow are bad, that their behavior is bad, that their emotions are bad and they're internalizing these feelings. And it just makes me think of how are we as educators interacting with these students to think that this is where they're like, this is where their, their thinking is coming from. Mm -hmm. Right. And Mm -hmm. so just thinking about one, how are we training about anti-bias? How are we training about, culturally responsive and relevant and sustaining pedagogies and how are we you know making our classroom environment that that so that all students are able to thrive in right and going back to that teacher preparation program and giving our teachers support because at the same time we ask so much of teachers that in your one person it's impossible mm-hmm. to do this entire list of things and you have to mm-hmm. make relationships and you have to build relationships with families and you have mm-hmm. to do this and it's so not, they're kind of just triaging the situation, right? <laughs> they are. And they're just, they're just lost, right? I read an article the other day and it said teachers uh, out of all the careers, like we're just known as the lost bunch because mm-hmm. nothing stays stable long enough for mm-hmm. teachers to really get the, get their grounding and mm-hmm. become experts of the content or of skills because the world of education is constantly changing. And so yes. they're just lost or going back to new teachers. Oh, we got a job. We filled mm-hmm. this, this vacancy, right? Yep. But then we don't equip them. Mm-hmm. We just throw them in the classroom. Here's your class list. Here you yeah. go. Have a great first day. I'm with you. I'm yep. here if you need me. Yep. And then we give them a coach, mm-hmm. which does help. But that coach yep. has however many other teachers. And so like you said, mm-hmm. they're just flailing in the wind like somebody helped me this is i've I've been off more than i could chew i don't know if this is for Mm -hmm. me and then the cycle just continues to repeat yep we have to we gotta cut it yeah yeah that training is essential the training is essential who who you hire is Mm. essential yes 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 um, I know we just went through a pandemic and we need teachers as a teacher shortage, but we can't mm-hmm. just put anybody yes. in these buildings and yes. then wonder why our data looks the way it does or these classrooms mm-hmm. look the way that it does. Mm-hmm. We have to find a, a medium, you know. We do. We do. We have to find that medium and we also have to make sure that we're building a culture within class, within you know the, the school community that mm-hmm. is supportive and is mm-hmm. is giving you know educators what they need and that the leaderships have what they need and mm-hmm. you know even going on that wider scale that we have policies that are also supportive right and that we're getting funding to be the most supportive so right. just making sure that we are helping as many students as possible because at the end of the day that is our goal right if we would turn mm-hmm. back to what is our goal in education what is our what is our like end all be all and that's the students the right. students are the ones and the students are, you know, priority number one. Obviously, priority number mm-hmm. one is the safety and then priority mm-hmm. number two. <laughs> we want to make sure that our students can thrive and be successful and that they're growing up to be, you know, whatever kind of human that they're growing up to be. Right, right. And I feel yes. like in education, you hear that so much. Like mm-hmm. they just become, you know, words that you throw around. But 
Mm. We really mean it. <laughs> you know, yes. like we really want them to be mm-hmm. successful and to thrive in the fullness of what that means yes. to thrive. So yeah, we, we have to do yes. the work and, and I'm doing the work, you know, I'm committed to doing the work. That's, yes. that's why I'm out here. <laughs> we got to start somewhere. Be, be the change you want to see, right? Exactly. Exactly. I love that. Be the change you want to see and being a part of it. And, you know, speaking of, you know, that kind of change, so we've kind of talked about those challenges and especially the students who are most impacted by these challenges. So when we think about the future of education, how do you reimagine the future of education? It's like a fantasy. <laughs> so um, it really is. Uh, I imagine education, yeah. all right, it's my opinion, to get rid of Okay, let me not say get rid of. Algebra, calculus, pre-calculus. I don't believe that those subjects should be mainstreamed. I think Mm -hmm. they should be tailored to students who have a desire to go into fields that those skills are necessary for. And I feel Mm -hmm. like education. So, you know, every child, you ask, what do you want to be when you grow up? That's Mm -hmm. how we start school. And we put that child on the path to be what they want to be when they grow up. So all of their classes are tailored to that. Um, if they decide they change their mind as they get older, then we make the, sh- the shift and we pivot. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how I imagine education to be because then everybody's fulfilled. They're doing mm-hmm. something that they've been trained and skilled in all of their lives. And so mm-hmm. when we think about athletes and the praise and, and this glory that society gives to them, a lot of our greatest athletes are so great because they've been doing it since they were four and five years old. Mm-hmm. So if we can that's look it. at our athletes and say that, well, they've been doing it their whole life. That's why they're this way. Well, if we give our students that same opportunity to do something their whole life, yeah. what do you think society would look like? When they get older. So that's how I reimagine education Mm. to, to make sense. (laughs) I, I love that. I think one of my favorite, I think it's more of a, like a millennial joke. It's like, yeah, I don't know how to do my, my taxes, but I do know like the Pythagorean theorem. (laughs) Right. Like real life. I feel like, yes, education should be for life skills, taxes, Mm -hmm. If you want to open a business or run a business, take that course. If you want to do hair, here's this course. If you want to be a chef, here's this course. Like like we say education is meeting them where they are and incorporating mm-hmm. their interests. So let's do that. Let's meet them okay. where they are and yes. incorporate their interests. Incorporate their interests. It's it's always very interesting to me because while I'm I'm a big proponent of kind of more internal intrinsic like motivation and things like that, I also recognize that we're asking students to to show up to a building that they probably don't want to be in, <laughs> to learn things they probably don't want to learn, <laughs> and then we're asking them at the same time to do these things and be intrinsically motivated. It's like they don't want to be here. <laughs> they don't want to learn that, and 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 you have to mm-hmm. like. And some some instances, you know, you side with them because it's like, I don't want to notice. 
I don't, this doesn't relate to my life. And like, you know what? Mm-hmm. You might be right, but <laughs> this is going to be, <laughs> this is going to be on assessment. Yep. So you just got to do it. Yep. But no, that's yep. true. Um, you mm-hmm. talk about intrinsic motivation and there's so much research on intrinsic and extrinsic motivation, but if, mm-hmm. if they're just not interested. Yeah. Then, so yeah, I think that's how we have to reimagine education. Every other yeah. industry has pivoted, has made changes, has evolved mm-hmm. with the times, except for education. Why are we the last when we're mm-hmm. the first? Exactly. <laughs> and I love the idea in this, you know, reimagine education that students can pivot. Because I know when I was in community college and I was just dead set on I was going to become a doctor. I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be in medical school. Like, I'm going to do this. And when I wanted to shift to education, I felt a lot of guilt because I thought, mm-hmm. well, I chose this thing. So I have, I have to do this. This is a thing that I need to be doing. And I felt a lot of guilt in shifting. And so I love that the idea that students can be through school and they can try different things and say, oh, I really like that. Or I don't, I don't really care for that so much. And you have the ability to just pivot and try something different <laughs> right. right and you know you're not you know you're not pigeonholed into this one thing that you decided you might want to do when you were eight years old <laughs> and you can pivot, and that's such a great skill to learn that it's okay to pivot that it's okay to change so many yeah like there's just so many great things in exploring and trying things that was a beautiful benefit of me going to community college at first because i took a lot of different classes and I learned that I liked my child development classes. I liked psychology. I really liked all these different things. Biology was, it was kind of fun, but <laughs> I, I didn't want to do that forever. <laughs> yeah, it was the same for me. Like I love, I still love science to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, love chemistry, any, any, all things mm-hmm. science related. I'm there, but it's like, but I'm failing. <laughs> so I have to pivot. Like this isn't, yes. this isn't what I thought, and. Not only that, but this doesn't fulfill me. Mm, I don't get the same feeling that Jasmine and Valdosta gave me Mm. that as I'm reading about, you know, ions and the periodic table and things of that nature. So that's Mm -hmm. that's how, you know, you want to live life for not necessarily for fulfillment, because nowhere did they in any manual did they say life is to fulfill you. Right. Mm. But you want to do something that's purposeful and meaningful to you and with that you you have to pivot you have to so yeah and that should absolutely be addressed and exposed Mm -hmm. to to students um as early as possible yeah it's a great life skill to learn and it's something that will just be so helpful throughout all stages of life just learning when to pivot that you know you don't have to always just stick with something that kind of was with the sunk cost fallacy <laughs> right. where it's like, well, I've already done it. I've already explored some, so much of my time and energy into it. And it's like, yeah, if it's just not, if it's not clicking, it's not if it's not working, if it's, you don't have to, like you can pivot and you can try something else and something else that might actually be fulfilling. That might actually, you know, fill you with yeah. purpose and joy, yeah. um, which is so just an important aspect of just life and, and happiness and all these really great things. So, I love that. Yeah. That fills me with joy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm glad. Um, <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you. I always love that question because everyone always has a different answer on what their reimagined education looks like. And 
I love that. I love hearing what other educators think that a, a perfect world in education, what would that actually look like? Yeah. Um, it always feels good to just reimagine it and to think on those things. So I love that. Um, where can our audience find a little bit more information about you or the work that you do? Okay, so they can visit my website, uh, www.lmedevolved.com. Um, it's like the abbreviations for elementary education, <laughs> if that helps. Um, my social media, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, my name, Yasha Chapman, or again, just type in uh, the business name, Elementary Education Evolved. I'm on Instagram under the same handle, Facebook, same handle. So yeah, that's where they can find me. I share tips. I post motivational quotes. Um, and I'm really just out here trying to get teachers ready for this mm. uh this evolution to do this work yes get the yeah. ready like let's get out there yeah. can you tell i'm yeah. ready <laughs> i can tell i mean. i, I i'm there for you <laughs> well thank you so much and as always i will link all of that in our show notes so if you're curious to find yasha anywhere that's where it will be linked and Yasha, thank you so much for joining me today. It was just such a beautiful conversation. And I just, I learned so much and I feel in energized. <laughs> well, also, thank you for having me, Brittany. This has been a great conversation. I could talk education yeah. all day. So maybe we'll do a part two. I don't know. Let maybe. me know. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Conscious Pathways podcast. Don't forget to like, share, and follow Conscious Pathways so you never miss a new episode. Please leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. It really does help our show to grow and reach more people. You can also follow Conscious Pathways on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram. And I'll be back next week for more transformative conversations in education. Thank you for listening.